Welcome to the Shepherd King Podcast. We exist to equip pastors and leaders in the local church to transcend beyond current culture, to see government through the lens of the gospel, and engage as modeled in the scriptures. I am Leo Lazzarini. And I'm Greg Baker. Thank you so much for joining us for the Shepherd King Podcast. It has been a tremendous blessing to talk about God and government through the lens of the scriptures. Today, we'll have uh, Greg Baker again with us. And after defining government through the lens of the scriptures and also showing the biblical model for church and state relationship, our goal today is to really dive into uh, examples from the word about church and government, the relationship between shepherds of the church and the shepherds of government. So, Greg, what are some examples we can we can see in scriptures that models that type of relationship between church and government? So, Leo, the the scriptures are packed with these examples. So we we give a little brief hint to Nathan and David, for example, but how Nathan was no stranger to David. So we see in the Bible this relationship between God's people and monarchs in both Israel and outside of Israel. But I just wrote down some examples and the different things that they spoke to, to the governing authority. Mm-hmm. So I think about Mordecai and Queen Esther. Mordecai gave a great encouragement and exhortation and reminder to Esther and the identity that she had. The people of Israel, the Jewish people, we're facing really an eradication and a Holocaust. And Esther was reluctant to intervene as the queen. Mm-hmm. And Mordecai reminded her that she was in a time, in this time and place for a time such as this. Mm-hmm. He equipped her and reminded her who she was that said, perhaps. God won't use you, but he will deliver his people. But maybe he might not use you, but he will deliver the people. But maybe you've been put in time in such a place as this. And I think one of the roles of the church is reminding our governing authorities of who they are Mm -hmm. and helping them see who they are in Christ. Mm -hmm. And Mordecai, by doing this, significantly strengthened the queen. And she was able to approach the king, and we know the great difference and made in the history of the Jewish people by her doing so. And the scriptures say it's by God that kings rise and fall. That is still true to this day. And being that reminder to our governing authorities, like Queen Esther found herself being and saying that God puts you in this place for this time. Another example we see is uh, between Nathan and David Hmm. is a power check. What was going on with King David is far more than just a um, relationship that resulted in a baby. is far more than that. Mm-hmm. David, remember when this sin happened, when he slept with Bathsheba, it's when all the other kings were off at war and David stayed behind. What is that telling us? Well, David, like other kings, was to lead his people in war. That's how they led as a shepherd king. They lay down their lives for their people and they'd fight alongside their armies. Mm -hmm. This is one of the few times David chose not to go. He let others fight in his place. He had idle hands. He saw a beautiful woman. He said, she is mine. And he decided, I will take her. Mm -hmm. And then Bathsheba ends up getting pregnant and Uriah did not cooperate. So David killed Uriah. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And what David was dealing with here is he was developing a sense of tyranny with his power. And Nathan, a friend of David, a voice and prophet of the Lord, approached him and said, David, you are the man. You are the man. And that spoke to Nathan's boldness, but also spoke to David's humility Mm -hmm. because he repented after that. Mm -hmm. But the king needed his power in check. Mm -hmm. And we see this also with Samuel and King Saul, when Saul on his own. And the king has an unbelievable amount of power that they hold in their hands. Mm -hmm. And the Lord's people got to be that voice that reminds them, once again, that same level of identity that you are still a person under authority, Mm -hmm. that your power is not unchecked on this side. And the next we see is immorality. Mm -hmm. Many leaders of government throughout human history have done immoral things. Mm -hmm. We see in the New Testament, John the Baptist calling out King Herod and sleeping Mm -hmm. um, and cheating on his wife. Mm -hmm. And it cost John the Baptist his head. But we have seen throughout history, people, what's amazing about the scriptures, when you study the kings of Israel, the first thing we learn is what kind of character were they? Mm -hmm. And when they did not have high moral character, their example would trickle down to the entire nation. Mm -hmm. God has been calling kings, not only in Jewish nation, but in the Gentile nations as well, to higher standards. Mm -hmm. And his people have been there to call them out on immoral behavior, Mm -hmm. but also an immoral policy. You think about the Pharaoh that did not know Joseph, that subjected the Jewish people to slavery. Moses would go before this Pharaoh 10 times, calling for him to let the people go and calling out Pharaoh's immoral policy of slavery that ultimately costed Pharaoh his nation. But another unique one is separation of church and state. This is something we have struggled with in human history, and we have a bad understanding of it. Mm -hmm. And uh, one of the things the scriptures does show is a separation of church and state, and that is where the authority of the state ends. The state has no authority in the halls of the church. And we saw this with King Uriah when King Uriah tried to take over the temple sacrifice. The high priest escorted him out Mm. for sinning. And Saul, before the war broke out, tried to make his own sacrifice. He did not wait for Samuel. And they violated the role of the church. Then idolatry. Kings throughout human history have worshipped false gods. And we see Elijah standing boldly before the prophets of Baal, calling Ahab and the Israelite people back to the true creator of the heavens and the earth. And we also see the the church being a constant solution and counselor to the king. I think of the problem solver and the prophet Joseph before Pharaoh, but I also think of the incredible wisdom and counsel that Daniel gave to four different Gentile emperors. But there's this constant relationship between the Lord's people and the kings of the land, whether they be in counsel, solutions, rebuke, exhortation, encouragement. We see this, and what we know is a government's purpose is to punish evil and reward good. It needs the eternal compass of the Lord's church, the mouthpiece of the Lord to guide them to the way of righteousness. 
Hey, man, Greg, that's really good. Something you have mentioned before, Greg, as we bring pastors to the capital, is that we are connecting specifically the shepherds of the church to the shepherds of government. There's a, it's very important to understand that. Would you mind explaining that a little bit more to our listeners? Absolutely, Leo. So the, the institution of the church, institution of government, they're very large institutions. Mm-hmm. Think of the many members of the church of the Jesus Christ all around the world, right? But even government. Government is far more than those who are elected. So in our country, they're elected, right? But you think of the many people that work in our state departments. What we are doing specific in the Church Ambassador Network we are connecting the shepherds of these two institutions together. Shepherds of the church are pastors. Pastor just means shepherd in Latin. That's where the word comes from. But the shepherds of government we discussed before, when you open up the Holy Scriptures, every example of the shepherd of government is a monarch. It's a king. It's an emperor. And what we've done in modern times in most countries today, the powers of the king have been divided amongst people. Mm-hmm. Now, between the countries, the number of people it's divided on differentiates. In some countries, there's only a few people. Maybe they have more of an oligarchy in control. And the United States of America is divided amongst a lot of people. 535 members of Congress hold the power of law. The President of the United States holds the executive powers. Nine members of the United States Supreme Court hold the judicial powers. But the king is there in spirit. It's this multiple people shepherding the United States government today. Mm-hmm. And why do you think it's important that we're bringing and connecting the shepherds and not the people necessarily from the church or from, the, from government, citizens, why is it important that we're bringing both leaders and both shepherds together? We believe in a God of order. Mm-hmm. Our God has put authorities in our lives. As Westerners, we, we struggle sometimes with authority. Right. But our Lord doesn't struggle with authority. Mm-hmm. I think of the father and the home. The father is to be the leader of the home. It doesn't mean the mother doesn't have a role. Or the children don't have a role. Of course they do. Mm-hmm. But God wants a shepherd in the home. And the shepherd's job is to lay down his life before all people in the home. The same thing is true in the church. God has put pastors and elders before us. And in government, he has risen up government leaders. He even calls us to submit to in Romans 13 that we have been studying and also in 1 Peter chapter 2. And by bringing these two leaders together, what we are doing is, at the end of the day, government and the church are shepherding a lot of the same people. Mm-hmm. And as a result, they have different lanes, though. They have different things they're running. The church has got a very different mission than government has, but they're both involving the people of the communities. The church either has the people that are actually members today, or they're people that are pursuing outreach into. Pastors are still community leaders throughout our nation that people look to to this day. And the same thing with government. Mm -hmm. It is important for these two institutions to connect. And we have seen throughout human history, and we see it in the Bible, when they connect in a righteous way, it is a significant blessing to the people of that nation. It is. That's very true, Greg. And I love the example of Nathan and David. And when you talk about the leaders setting the example to a nation, uh, guiding the nation morally by their example, when you think about Nathan and David, they're both leaders in the same community, the same people were under their shepherding. Can you talk a little bit about how they have that in common and how 
it's surprising oftentimes when our shepherd, shepherds in government uh, understands how much in common they have with our shepherds in the church. Can you talk about that common uh, type of leadership they're called to and also the burden that they carry, that, that both of them do carry that burden? Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, people look to leaders for answers to problems that leaders themselves also have. And leaders at the end of the day are people. Mm -hmm. And they have the same limitations that others have, but they don't have the luxury of looking to somebody else because they're the ones that are being looked to. Mm -hmm. And they're expected to have answers. And when they don't have answers, it causes panic. There's not a lot of safe places for a leader to go and say, I don't have a clue what to do. And I don't know how to solve that. I think the President of the United States, if he says, I have no clue what to do, the stock market crashes. Mm -hmm. Think of a pastor. A pastor can't go before the pulpit and say, I don't know how to resolve that issue. And so many people depend on them. And that's a burden that is heavy. And when people have problems and they have needs, that's where they go. That's where they turn to. And your life's under a microscope. But not only is your life under a microscope, their family's life is under a microscope. And I often think the biggest burden our leaders carry is not the expectations put on them. They somewhat signed up for that. It's the expectations that got put on their families. Mm -hmm. Their spouse, who did not really signed up for this, but they wanted to support their significant other, but all of a sudden now their life is under a microscope. Mm -hmm. Boy, a lot of pastors' wives can hear that. But also even uh, the children. Think about you hear about PKs, pastors' kids, right? Mm -hmm. Or how many government authorities' kids, or how many presidents' kids are constantly in the news? Then we're all shocked when they're naughty teenagers. Mm -hmm. So how many other people have had naughty teenagers? Right. But these kids didn't sign up for it. Their mom or dad just ended up being in a government office. And that is whenever we ask government authorities, what's the best way we can pray for you? It's often their families, but it's often the main request that pastors have too. Mm -hmm. I think the biggest burden of all that they both share is the cost that it not only has to them, but their family as well. That's right, Greg. Thank you so much for mentioning that. That's something that we all can reflect on. Greg, we're talking about a different type of relationship here, a, la a relationship between shepherds. What are some principles that we can find in Scripture as we try to engage that type of relationship between our shepherds of the church and our shepherds of government? It's a great question, Leo. So we listed quite a few examples, men like Mordecai and Nathan, John the Baptist and Moses. I think the most important principle here is that each of these individuals did not come representing themselves. Of themselves, they had no authority whatsoever. They came on behalf as a voice of the Lord, and they came in his words. What the government needs today is not just another person's opinion. What the government needs today is the timeless counsel from the Lord and his wisdom. Mm -hmm. We are so blessed to have his scriptures Government needs the timeless truths from the Church of Jesus Christ presenting the Word of God 
to our leaders and helping them practically apply it to today. And that is what the Lord's people have done throughout the centuries. And that is what the world will need the Lord's people to do until he returns. And that is what we must come in. They don't need us to be Republican or Democrat or the most educated conservative or liberal or libertarian or whatever worldly ideology they need. They need you to come on the authority of the Lord and his word. That's what they need presented. And that's the unique voice that only the church can bring and that God's equipped the church to bring. Not just to kings. That might be who we're talking about here. But the church is Christ's ambassadors to this place. And that includes the halls of kings. And we must bring that message. That's very good. I love what you have mentioned to pastors here in Iowa before, Greg, the you have encouraged pastors to to bring the Bibles with them. Have encouraged our team to bring the Bible, with, you know, bring the Bible with them as well. And the importance of really opening the Bible and reading from the Scriptures with our legislators, and and how powerful that is. Would you mind just sharing a little bit of why you have encouraged us to do that, or how that looks like? I just know in my life, nothing was going to change me except for God Himself. Mm-hmm. And that is so true everywhere we go in life, including in state and U.S. capital and any other capital. What's going to change people is the word of the Lord. I remember going to Billy Graham's library, and I was a little skeptical. I was like, why did Billy Graham have a, why does he have a library? He's thinking kind of a presidential library, you know. <laughs> and I left there just so amazed at how well it was done because you just walked away giving glory to Christ. And he had two quotes on the wall in there. One just talked about how he's preached on the six continents of the world where people live. And what he has found is the word of God has power Hmm. equally in each of those places. And another quote he says, I know it's not Billy Graham that changes people. He says the only thing that has the power to change people is the word of God. And that's why at minimum he had 25 scripture passages in every sermon. Wow. And that really stuck with me. Because mm-hmm. I used to paraphrase the Bible a lot. I'd say the Bible says something like this here. It's like, no, I need to directly point to the Word and let the Word of God and the Holy Spirit do His work. Mm-hmm. And that's what we do. And that's not a principle I've only applied in my life at the Capitol. It's a principle I've just universally applied to my life. I like taking my Bible everywhere because... If you get lunch or coffee with the Bible guy, there's a high risk he's going to bring up the Bible. Mm-hmm. And God has really delivered in that. There's too many times I've chickened out, but I've seen such an emboldenment. And the same thing's true at the Capitol. If you carry your Bible everywhere, the legislators aren't surprised or the governor's not surprised. If you open up the Bible, and we have seen the Word of God change people. We're seeing it in different states. We've been blessed to travel to different states' capitals and watch the Word of God be shared with government leaders both sides of the aisle. And what's so amazing is how interested and how plugged in they are because mm-hmm. it's so much deeper than anything you and I could ever share with them because it really is the Word of the Lord, and He is speaking to us through it today, and we'd be foolish to represent Him without His Word. Amen, Greg. 
Thank you so much, Greg. It is a joy to talk about government through the lens of the scriptures and even today talk about this type of relationships that God has designed to happen between the shepherds of our government and the shepherds of the church. And it is a privilege to be able to talk to you about that and uh, work at the Church Ambassador Network as well and help pastors to see uh, in the scriptures how God has designed a relationship to look like. So thank you so much, Greg, for sharing that today. And thank you for listening to our podcast. And I hope that this continues to be a place of encouragement to you and also a place of excitement that as we look into the scriptures, we see the, the opportunity to engage government through the lens of the scriptures. Thank you. The Shepherd King podcast is brought to you by the Church Ambassador Network, a ministry of the Family Leader Foundation that inspires the church to engage government for the advance of God's kingdom. For more information about the Church Ambassador Network, or if you would like to donate, please visit our website, thefamilyleader.com backslash church.